WBCA Radio is proud to present City Talk, where fascinating conversation is alive and well. With your host, Boston Radio veteran, Ken Meyer. Good evening again, everybody, and welcome to another edition of City Talk. I am very privileged to have with us the, uh, I guess, president or, or director or any other fancy title you can think of, of an organization called uh, Blind Citizens of Boston, and he is John Olivar. And John, it's nice to have you here with that great big deep radio voice. Hello, Kenny. Good evening to you and good evening to everyone. So it's the Association of Blind Citizens, the organization's name. I'm the president. And uh, we uh, do a lot of good things uh, around uh, New England, Boston, and all kinds of other places. So um, go ahead. We're, we're going to get to all of that. Yes, I was, su- I was surprised when I was talking to you to find out, and I forgot because my memory is short, that we worked together way back in 1984. You were an intern at WBZ Radio. Yeah, uh, way back when, um, you're correct. Uh, I was an intern in radio programming and uh, had me doing a, a bunch of stuff with uh, for the for the uh, for Children's Hospital, the telethon that BZ used oh, to yes. have. Yep. Uh, and uh, doing some stuff with PSAs, editing them, writing them, and that sort of stuff. Um, I- I think uh, I think the opening tagline at that time was like W, and we can say the station's name here. It's oh, oh yeah, uh, yep. WBZ wants you to know, and then it was like a community announcement. So and so is having a yard sale, or so and so is having you know, there's a charity thing. Yeah, um, yep, I remember. I did that back in in those days, but I wasn't my I, first. Uh, I first got my my first radio job was at uh, a radio station in New Bedford. Um, it was an AM FM combo. And WNBH, WMYS, um, I was looking for a summer job. And uh, my principal happened to be, uh, in my high school, happened to be a former roommate of the guy who was the station's general manager. So he talked to him and he said, hey, he's looking for, and they, he brought me in. Uh, and we chatted and he we talked about different things. And he asked me, how was I at? at copywriting that they, I could help the, one of the copywriters write uh, copy for the commercials. So that was my first uh, introduction into radio for the summer. And I came up with a few, a few taglines that ran for years on, on, on commercials at that radio station. And, uh, and that was uh, my first, uh, well, I, I was always interested in radio, as you know, as young men, we were interested in that field. Yep. And uh, that was uh, my uh, major when I went to Boston College. That's right. I was just going to say you went to BC, but yep. you, you're, you're a long way from that now. But, but tell us uh, how you went from BZ Radio to the Mass Commission, where you, where you are working as well. Well, I, I got a... Uh, then, then I went to get a master's degree at BC. And then when I got a master's degree at BC, then I applied for some jobs and I was still dabbling around with radio ideas. And then uh, I applied for a job there and I got it and been a long time. So 
And then in 2000, I started the uh, Association of Blind Citizens. Um, it was a nonprofit. It was something that, again, I was interested in, in uh, providing different opportunities that people who are blind or visually impaired in the Commonwealth um, to those folks that they were not around. So uh, we did a lot of social activities first. And one of the uh, uh, more interesting things that uh, did not occur here in the area was uh, a baseball team for people who were blind called Beep Baseball. So uh, I had a Beep Baseball when I was a, when I was a kid. Uh, my, I think one of my uh, gym teachers at elementary school heard about him and was able to get uh, somebody to get one. I think it might have been the Telephone Pioneers or something, some organization like that. And they, they got one for me. And then I used to use it and play with the other, uh, play with the other kids, uh, little games and this and that. So uh, they were sighted and they thought it was cool that I could hit the ball and or feel the ball when they, when they, when they hit it. I could chase it down. So, um, but this was not a, something that we did here in Massachusetts. And I had done some of this at, at camps for blind kids. Um, so uh, we had a, a picnic, uh, one of the first events that the association had. And one of the guys was joking around and said, you know, what, what kind of activities could we do? And we were just asking different folks at the, uh, at the event to uh, tell us what kind of activities. And folks came up with the, let's take trips and do little day trips or weekend trips and those sort of things. And we did those. We did trips down to Newport mansions. We went up to, to New Hampshire a bunch of times and up to Maine and around. We went to, to Louisa May Alcott house so, and, and Concord. We did all kinds of day trips. Um, but one of the, the folks there had said, hey, let's, um, well, why don't we play baseball? And he sort of said it jokingly, because back in the early 70s, there was a, uh, a group in Boston that played baseball, and they were blind, but they, they, would, hit the, they would use a large ball, um, and they would bounce it once, and you would hear it bounce, and you would swing and try to time the swing. And it works out very well. I used to do that with my sighted friends, too, when they pitched me a ball, they would bounce it one time, you would hit it, hit the ground, and they sort of would bounce it so it would be sort of level with your swing and you would hit it and then you could, you could run. So this had been done here in the 70s, but not beep baseball. So um, I, I knew about beep baseball since I had one and I, I knew that there was a league down south. And then I researched a little bit on the computer and found out that there was a national association of baseball. And so we, uh, I emailed them. I said, what's, you know, how, how do you guys, how does this work? And they had all kinds of different video and audio clips on the website. And I checked that out. And so I emailed them. I said, uh, I'm going to register a team from the Association of Blind Citizens. We're going to pull a team together. And we're going to come play baseball with you guys. So we, yeah, we, yeah, we did. We paid the registration fee, uh, called the team the Boston Renegades. I got a bunch of people that I knew. And uh, we had about eight, eight or ten folks that were visually impaired. Um, I can talk about the rules later. 
And then we, uh, we started getting some volunteers to help, some volunteers that were interested in sports and could do a little coaching. So, but we also needed a volunteer to pitch because in baseball, the pitcher on your team, the pitcher that you use is the guy that's on your team to pitch to your batters. So the goal in, in beat baseball is not so much to strike people out. It's to get a guy that can throw the ball straight and, and sort of watch where the batters are swinging. And that, uh, since they know them, they're on the same team and they've been practicing with them, they can put that ball in that same area pretty much. And the players, if they maintain their swing and keep good posture and, and good uh, hitting stance, they, they will make good contact with the ball. It's beeping. So you do hear it coming, you hear it when it's released and you hear it coming to you. And so you, you do a little timing. So it's a bunch of different little skills that come together. You hit the ball and when you hit the ball, a base operator turns on the base, the base also beeps. And so you run towards that sound. And that's how we got involved. I bought some bases that beeped and we bought a bunch of balls. Right now, since our guys are pretty good, we probably go through about close to $2,000, $3,000 a year in, in baseballs. Because when you hit them, if you hit them flush on the speaker where it makes the sound, you break the, you break the ball. So you always have to have another one uh, ready to put in play. And a lot of balls get damaged in practice and they get damaged at the game. So there's a good amount of baseballs that you have to buy. So we started, uh, we, we pulled a bunch of people together back in 2001. We got uh, enough volunteers. Some were family members. Some were kids I recruited uh, through um, uh, volunteer finding services. We had a young, a young man who, who I believe last time I spoke to him a few years ago was working for, uh, as an attorney for CBS in New York. And he was uh, our first pitcher. We got a couple of other guys uh, to be a uh, volunteer spotters, we call them, and catchers. And then we pulled the team together and we attended our first World Series in, uh, in 2001. Um, it, we, it's, the, it's the World Series, but it's a week-long tournament. And roughly right now, we have about, about 15 to 18 teams that come from all around the country to gather in a city uh, and play beat baseball from Sunday through Saturday, uh, Monday through Saturday. The Sunday's a travel in day. They have some meetings and then start playing, practicing and playing uh, 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 scrimmage games on Monday. And then they, they go from Tuesday through Saturday, where the Saturday uh, is the uh, game to determine who will be the World uh, Series champion of baseball, beat baseball. And then there's a consolation game before that. So the teams who finished the top four in the tournament end up squaring off to play that game on, on Saturday. And, and, and where do you get funding, if any? Oh, we get funding, all right. There's a lot of funding that's needed. Um, I've been um, pretty good at writing grants. Uh, we have um, uh, been pretty good at developing lots of different fundraising ideas. Um, and, and concepts. Obviously, we have donations. Uh, I work, I've worked with telemarketers over the year, over the years. Uh, when when um, Texas Hold'em was hot, uh, you know, a few years ago, everyone was playing 
Texas Hold'em. Well, there was charity Texas Hold'em too. So we we uh, partnered with some folks and we had a bunch of volunteers and we had volunteers. Uh, the volunteers uh, were dealers and folks paid paid money and we paid out in, in gift cards and different types of prizes. Um, but we, we did that. Uh, we ran a bingo hall for about four years um, to raise funds for the organization. We had a bingo uh, every, every Sunday night. People came to play, about 200 people every Sunday night. And these are sighted folks came to play and they got cash prizes and the leftover proceeds were how we raised money. We also uh, work, have a vehicle donation program. Um, and if anyone wants to donate a car, 888-881-9090. And uh, just tell the agent it's for the Association of Blind Citizens. Uh, we've had that for, I think we've had that since about 2002. Um, and uh, it's uh, done very well. But we've done many other charity type fundraisers. We've done concerts with those uh, uh, artists that uh, are like, uh, we had uh, a Rod Stewart lookalike. Uh, we had Garth Brooks, the country singers uh, or, you know, uh, local folks that uh, that uh, look and similar and, and sound similar to the artists. And we sell the, the tickets as a as a fundraiser and folks come to hear some good music and and the voice, their voices are pretty good. So that's just some of the things we've done is this. There's many, many others. Uh, we've been involved in different walks and um all kinds of things like that. So it, it and the and we ask the uh, the folks involved with the, the organization, um, like the ba baseball team. They've gotten so good at raising money, they they uh, they're able to cover their budget every every year just by do different events that we do. And of course, we partner with different organizations. Lions clubs have supported us very uh, very strongly over the years since we got started. I always would go to the Lions clubs and speak with them and. Um, they've been a, a great partner of ours over the years and a great relationship. Um, so there's many ways. Everything we do costs money, obviously, and uh, uh, some organizations give us discounts, but um, it takes money to uh, to do most everything that we do. Uh, we rent vehicles. We do uh, we hold camps for blind children. Uh, we're planning one right now in November. Um, uh, it's a weekend for blind children and uh, we actually use a hotel and we go bowling and uh, there's a place that has bumper cars and they jump in the bumper cars and crash into each other and have a ball and crash into other sighted people driving around so well, it's a good time now I, I know to be a member of the or a client so to speak of the mass commission you have to meet certain requirements like um uh, eye reports and, and things like that. If mm -hmm. somebody like myself says, hey, I want to become a member of the Association for Blind Citizens, what do I have to do? Uh, you, go, you go to our website, blindcitizens.org, and you click the join and you, you uh, fill out that form and you click submit and we have it. So what we'll do <laughs> is when we, when we have activities, we'll send you uh, emails regarding the activities. And if you want to come, we just did a, uh, a barbecue in, in Brookline in September. Uh, we typically have a holiday luncheon that I'm currently working on, and we'll have details out to the community very soon. And uh, that's a free lunch. Uh, 
uh, and we uh, we've done stuff over the years. Uh, the Fours uh, was a great partner of ours. We we worked with them for since maybe about 2002. We had a holiday event there, and we used to have our August summer lunch there. And they closed recently uh, last year, and so we we are working on a new new venue and, and that sort of thing. But um, so those are sort of the things that when we do those trips I talked about, uh, we did them for a good long time, but people said, oh, you know, well, let's take a break for a while. And, and so we took a break for a little while. Uh, and uh, basically, um, it's, uh, we've done a lot of Zoom camps for kids over this COVID and really couldn't plan any activities. So we developed a lot of things on Zoom. Uh, we did a lot of different activities over Zoom for kids. Uh, we did do, we can do some for, uh, for adults on Zoom too. Everyone's very familiar with Zoom these days, but there were so many organizations offering different things that, so we didn't want to develop too many things for adults because you could go anywhere and click, uh, do a little web search and, and find out where uh, things were happening. And uh, so um, there's sometimes a little market saturation. I, I always like to find things that are not being done and and do them uh, instead of trying to duplicate what everybody else is up to. Just out of curiosity, and because I'm a sports fan, have you worked at all with any of the major sports teams in Boston? Um, we've we've had had uh, on and off partnerships with the uh, with the Boston Red Sox. Um, they have invited the Renegades. We've even been actually on on the field. Before a game, they've introduced the Renegades. This was maybe uh, about eight years ago or so. Uh, they gave the, uh, the team, the volunteers, uh, tickets and got them out on, uh, watched the game. But before the game, uh, the team went out on the field and they, uh, it was one of those, um, uh, one of those disability event Sundays that they have or days that they have at, at, at uh, Fenway that they recognize folks with disabilities or different, different aspects of disability. And so uh, we were on the field that day. We had a tour of the park, uh, tour of the field before the game and uh, got to go and touch the green monster and that sort of thing. Um, so that's, um, yeah, that's probably been the, some of the other teams around the country have uh, some loose affiliations with the team. Uh, they have foundations. And so sometimes the foundation makes a donation to help offset some of the expenses of running uh, this type of sport. Do you ever do you ever help individuals uh, that need something maybe like a like a computer or uh, any other devices or is that done by the commission? Uh, well, every state in the country has a uh, an agency for the blind and provides blind services and provides some of those types of services that you talked about. We do have a program uh, that. Uh, we will help you pay for half of the cost of an item uh, that's made for the blind. So we want to help you buy an iPad because that's not made for the blind specifically or an iPhone. But if you were going to buy a Perkins Brailler, which is only made for, for the blind. So uh, there's, you know, I think roughly, and I had a request for this the other day, actually, from a gentleman down in Mississippi. Um, so, uh, you know, they roughly cost around $900. So basically we would pay for half if the individual is able to pay for the other half. So we don't handle any cash. We, uh, they find a vendor, uh, they send their half of the money to the vendor. We, we pay the vendor with a credit card 
and the consumer receives the product. And uh, uh, that's pretty much our involvement with that. We've been doing that since about 2002. Uh, that's a national program. We help people in California. We help people in, in New Mexico, all over the place. Um, and we uh, collect uh, grant applications year round. Uh, there are two times of the year that we award. Uh, February 15th is coming up. Uh, December 31st is a deadline for this period. And then uh, from January through, through June 30th, and then we review the, those applications in July and award that on August 15th. And obviously we get hundreds of requests. We can't fill hundreds of requests, obviously, but we, uh, we pick a good, good number of them. Um, you know, some, we've, we've assisted people buy all kinds of things, braille displays and some of the new wearable devices and uh, uh, all kinds of, and it doesn't matter if it's for work or recreation, um, we just, you have to write up about uh, how it's going to help your life and our committee reviews it and we, we select different, uh, requests and, and go ahead and fund them. How big a staff do you have, John? We don't have a staff, my friend. They're all volunteers. Oh. Okay. So, how big a so, volunteer so we, group do you we have? We have, if you take all of our programs and the, and the things that we do, uh, we have close to some, uh, to 85 volunteers. Uh, at this point, for the team alone, for the for the team, we probably have about twenty five to thirty volunteers. And then I have other people that just volunteer for us once uh, once a year. They just will help with certain projects or they'll do certain things. Or, um, so it's not a, a, the 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 baseball team is the the most uh, uh, sort of time uh, uh, sensitive activity because that happens at a certain point and. We can't have people volunteering one week and, and not the other week. So once the, the season starts, which is in April, and it's really practice, the season really goes from, uh, uh, it's an over two, uh, two month period or, or late June to, uh, to like August. Uh, this year, we actually went down to a brand new team starting in Rochester and we went down to Albany. They met us in Albany and we, we had a little clinic with them in late September. That's something that we don't do on a regular basis. Um, so those volunteers um, have to com commit to that sort of time and they meet once a week. And when the team travels, they travel with them. And so they, they'll travel on weekends and, you know, they use their own personal time. And, you know, it's a great, um, you know, it's a great experience for them. And we have folks that have been with us. We have volunteers that have been with us since 2003 uh, wow. working with the team. Uh, very committed individual. Our head coach, Rob Weissman, uh, tremendous commitment. And he came to me and we met him uh, uh, back in, in 2002. And uh, he uh, came over and uh, said, I'd love to work with you guys on this. And he'd, he'd been working with some blind, other, uh, blind folks up in, the, up in the Lowell area. And he, uh, he's been volunteering with us ever since. And uh, he puts in a lot of time. They all put in a lot of time. And then we have other folks that just help us with the fundraising events. Like I said, we used to do the uh, bingo hall. Those were all volunteers that used to help uh, run the bingo, the callers, the, the runners that go to the tables, all that sort of thing. Uh, when we do our Texas Hold'em, all the dealers are volunteers. Um, you know, so anything we do basically has been run on the volunteer staff. Um, and... Um, you know, we, we hire companies, obviously, that we pay 
but the folks working uh, with the organization directly have all been volunteers, including myself. How about how about things like readers or companions to help uh, blind people with shopping? Do you guys do well, any of that? No, we we haven't gotten into that. Uh, there are several good organizations here in Boston that do that. Uh, Friendship Works and Mass Association for the Blind and Visually Impaired, two organizations that come to mind. I'm sure there are others. Uh, so those those uh, that's a very much needed service. Um, and uh, you know that's a, a whole different uh, situation that we we have not gotten into. Again. We always try to look for things that uh, activities that people aren't doing, trying to give more of a, a variety of a choice to people who are blind here in, uh, in Massachusetts uh, for the most part here. But, uh, you know, like I said, the weekend trips that we used to do, there was no one doing that. Uh, Carol Center did something for a while, but then they, they couldn't do it anymore. So we did it for a while. Um, and then when our numbers started dropping down, then we said, well, you know, people are tired. We took surveys and they pretty much, uh, said they were uh, want to take a break for a while, so we've t- we've taken a good break. Uh, but we've we've done the I think the most recent one we did maybe about two three years ago. We did a walking tour of Boston, tasting different chocolates, different chocolate shops. Oh, I would have liked to have yeah, been on that. Yeah, one. a lot of the a lot of the major cities have walking tours now, food tours. So you might go to a bunch of pizza places, or you might go to a bunch of chocolate shops, or I don't know, a bunch of uh, ice cream shops, and taste different food. That's going on in a lot of the major cities. So I, I, w- I would just retain one of the guides for that, and then we would have uh, we would pay for that and have the folks come and and do their tasting and and that sort of thing. And we we'd line up a couple of volunteer guides for those who want sighted guide and others who uh, want to travel independently and are able to use their cane and whatever remaining vision they have or their guide dog. Um, but that's one of the, the uh, one with the last ones that we did um, as far as involving. Uh, an activity like that. Well, the one thing that I like that you're doing is that you don't restrict your activities to just helping people in Massachusetts or Boston. You work with other cities. I like that. Yeah, yeah, we've done, um, we used to, um, for several years, we did a, a, um, a holiday party. We had a holiday party in Boston here. And actually in, on one weekend, we had a holiday party in Boston on, on a Saturday afternoon. And by four o'clock, we were on a flight to Washington, D.C., and we had a, a holiday party for the D.C. folks who are blind. Uh, I know a lot of the different individuals live in D.C., and, and the, the other board members knew a bunch of folks, and they spread the word. They helped us get the word out to the community out there. And we filled up a VFW with about, uh, about 200, uh, 250 uh, blind folks. Uh, the only thing we didn't, we paid for all the food, and, and uh, they, uh, they had to buy their own drinks. Uh, uh, my attorney always says the organization shouldn't buy drinks for anyone. So we never buy any alcohol for anyone at any of our food events. Um, but the food is usually free and there was plenty of it. And uh, we had a DJ that, uh, that gave us a good deal uh, on his services for that evening. And uh, the, via, the, the hall gave us a good deal on, on renting the place. So um, it, it worked out very well. We did that for a bunch of years. And then we started the number dropping off a little bit, and uh, so we we suspended it for a while. But we do things as as uh, as if we see there's a demand. If someone says, "Hey, I, w- I want to do this," and I say, "Okay, find me some people that want to do it," and ABC will put it together for you. And uh, basically, that's how we've worked on a lot of the things that we do. Um, yeah, we don't have a problem going to uh, 
any other city and, and doing things. There, there are blind people in every state. There are blind people. We try to use major cities um, and uh, so that people can get to the events uh, using public transportation or paratransit or friends, family, whatever they, however they're going to get there, Uber, Lyft, all these options that are out here today. Now, one of the things that you do every year with a mutual friend of ours, both you and me, is a, is a picnic that, that Morgan White Jr. Uh, from WBZ Radios is involved with. Yeah, yeah, Morgan has been, uh, he's been working for us. I don't know, he always counts the year every time he works for us. I think we're up to, to 11 or 12 years, something like that. And so, we, like I said before, we used to do it this at the fours, a summer luncheon. But when they closed down, we've, we've done the, um, the barbecue now for a couple of years. And so this was the first year that we introduced uh, Morgan to doing an outdoor, uh, outdoor show for us. And we did it at uh, right in the area where we uh, ran the barbecue. And Morgan dropped by and uh, did his show and handed out all his, uh, his gifts to folks. And everyone was, was happy. And uh, he, uh, he's, been, uh, he's made a lot of people happy. There's some real good uh, trivia guys uh, with the organization that come to these events. And, uh, and some people that you only see them at this event. I don't see them anywhere else, but every time we, we hold a, a, a holiday party, the holiday party, we usually have a Yankee swap where everyone who wants to can bring a, a gift. Uh, we put a value on it at like 10 or $15, whatever it might be. Uh, and you wrap it up and then we put it all on the table and then we draw numbers. The numbers are, uh, are in Braille. So those who can read Braille, know what number they're drawing and then they they come up as we call it out and they pick up the package they unwrap it and if it's boxed uh, we we uh have a volunteer standing there so they can tell them what's in the box without opening it and then they can pick and choose from whatever that's out there or they can keep it or um you know it's a it's a good time everyone has a great time with it everyone starts taking each other's gifts and Sometimes they, they start, oh, I'm, I'm happy with what I got. Now, come on and make this interesting. Take, take someone else's gift there and, and, and swap it out. And uh, so it works out pretty well. You, you, you mentioned a word, and I want to pick up on it. And that, that, word, that word was Braille. Yes, sir. Um, with all the computers and all the other technology that is out there and that is used, mm -hmm. uh, is, is Braille still valued as it used to be? Well, I think it's valued, but I think that the teaching of Braille um, is not as emphasized as it, as it was when uh, blind students went to schools for the blind or as myself, I went to a public school, but the, the teacher at, that I had, the TVI, teacher of the visually impaired that I had at that time, she could just pick up a, a braille book and start reading it, as long as it wasn't, didn't have braille on both sides. She could just read it visually. And I think today, I, I don't know how much of an emphasis is placed on the training of teachers of the visually impaired in braille. I know they all get a course. Uh, and there are so few students that um, are using Braille. Uh, majority of students have some usable vision. 
and are able to read print. Uh, so that's sort of sort of uh, the easier road. And so I think that's what most folks choose. Uh, what they probably should be doing is looking at the visual condition, the eye condition that the, the individual has and evaluate that condition because a lot of conditions get progressively worse as you get older. And if someone has that type of situation, it might, it's great that they can read uh, print and they should learn. And I know that they would probably give the uh, teacher or the visually impaired some grief if they had to learn braille, but that it should at least start teaching them and having them use it in some way. I think, uh, I think you went to school for the blind, right? I mean, so yes. did, did kids who were visually impaired, who had some usable vision, um, were off, they were offered Braille even as long as, uh, along with all the blind kids. Am I correct or, or not? Yeah, that, that used to drive me crazy when you'd go to a school for the blind and you had people there that had enough sight to be able to read a newspaper and yet went to a school for the blind or if they read Braille, they didn't read it with their fingers, they read it with their eyes. Okay, okay, yeah. Which I didn't like. Right, well, yeah. So, but, but, but they even, but they were learning Braille, so they would know it. Uh, so if their vision changed later, they would just have to get refine the, the touch technique as opposed to trying to learn something from scratch. I, I knew a lady who lost her sight after she had been through school and everything else like that. And she had wanted to be an airline stewardess, but uh, because of an accident that she had on a motorcycle, she lost her eyesight. And she didn't have the patience to want to learn Braille and learn what the word dog looked like in Braille or a cat or, or things like that. And it was very difficult for her uh, later on uh, to try and function. And I guess that can happen with a lot of people who lose their sight later on in life as opposed to like people like myself who are born blind right from the beginning mm -hmm. yeah and and also today there's so many more options um that you know the, the output on the computers and and braille displays and um different types of um, you know magnification there's so many options that someone could could use to to learn that if they focus on one they may not be interested in showing them more than one so if you're going to be using Zoom text, you might not have much interest in learning Braille as a legally blind uh, child. And like I said, it, it, most of the kids today are mainstreamed, the ones that are able to compete or um, function in, a, in a, a regular environment, school environment, um, they are focusing on, on the, the method that's easiest for them to use. And in a lot of cases, that's print and that's great, but it, it, does, it does diminish the value of Braille. There are studies uh, that have been done that show that Braille uh, is still uh, used by many folks who work and has shown that people who know Braille have a better chance of becoming employed as uh, instead of those who, who may not know Braille. Yeah, that's another thing I was gonna ask you because of the great um, speed of technology and the things that are happening these days, I would think it is much easier now for blind people 
to obtain jobs in in regular industry and regular jobs like I had or you have now. Uh, am I correct on that? Well, it depends. I mean, you know that the unemployment rate for people who are blind is still around 70%. It could be a, a tad lower, tad higher, depending what survey you look at. Uh, could be much higher than that in some states and much lower than that. I think Massachusetts, it's a state that is probably has one of the better employment for people who are blind because of our economy, because of our technology, uh, because of the uh, organizations that work here within the state to do outreach to the employment community, to do outreach and offer training to the consumers. Um, but, you know, when some jobs open up, sometimes it closes other jobs. So let's take like, I don't know, could be um, some job, uh, some job that used to be done by by someone who was blind, it was more of a tactual manual type of thing. Now, all of a sudden, a machine is doing it, but the person who was blind is not able to operate the machine because the display is flat and has no keys. And so they, they have to move to another job or go someplace else. Someone who can't type is going to have a, an issue using uh, programs like JAWS or um, to, to get navigate a computer screen. So typing is a very essential skill. So someone who, who was involved more in a, a manual labor type situation, who was packing things or, or labeling things or, or boxing things, whatever it might be, um, and they had to shift to a position now where they have to use a keyboard to access all kinds of data and they don't know how to type, that's sort of a challenge. So I, I think that the opportunities are, are better today opportunities to make get good paying jobs are better today um, but you know there, there still remains one major factor can in this whole can a blind pay, person work or how can they work and if you walk up to 10-sided people on the street and ask them can a blind person work I would bet you that nine out of ten would say how can they work no they can't and so the, the attitude and the outreach that has to go on is to educate people. Not all blind people can work, so, uh, just like, like all sighted people can't work. All disabled people can't work. Some can, some can't. It depends on, on the, each individual. But, you know, when someone applies for a job and they, they have the training, they have the education, they have the know-how as far as managing the, the assistive technology they need. They need to be given an equal chance at getting that opportunity. And in many cases, and some people may not like that I say this, in many cases, the person's own feelings about the capacity of someone who's blind to, to achieve work, to walk around independently with a cane or a guide dog, to travel, they, they just don't know. And, and that's very understandable because they're coming from a sighted perspective. How would someone, obviously they don't want to think about this, but what if they lost their eyesight? Their whole world would change. Yep. And there's no doubt about it. They, they, they would have to relearn many basic things and, and relearn how to do it in a different way. Uh, but could they, and we have this happen many 
over and over again to many people who lose their eyesight, they have to re put their life back together. And so they, they relearn it and many of them do well with it and are able to return to work. Some cases, other work and, and others are not able to, to do it and, and may not work. So that's the percentage that's not, not, a, not able to work. But it's, it's public attitude is a tremendous hindrance or uh, impediment to someone with a disability in general. Um, but in blindness in part particularly, because, you know, if you work at a computer and they say, well, can someone in a wheelchair operate a computer? They'll say, oh yeah, no problem. But if you say, is some, is some, can someone who's blind operate a computer? They'll just say, no, how can they do it? They don't know about speech output. They don't know about magnification. Maybe some do, but most don't. And so they're coming from the perspective that if it happened to them, they would be, they'd be lost. And so that's, you know, that's a very important thing to do. Continue the outreach, continue to show um, the public that blind people can do things. Blind people are able to go into a, a bar, order a drink, have a meal, pay for the meal, go on to the next activity of the day. Uh, blind people go to work. They go out to get coffee break. They go out and get coffee at Starbucks. They go out and get coffee at Dunkin' Donuts to give equal, equal plugs here. <laughs> Since I like both places, um, but those things can all be done. And there, there are lots of different tools that a blind person can use to accomplish all those things. Uh, for an example, I, there's a service called Ira. It's a visual describing service. It's on my iPhone. And if I want to walk into a place, uh, I use, the, say, a cupcake store, and I want to have the menu read, I put the person on my phone, I hold out the phone, they see the menu or they pull up the menu on the internet and they read me the, the flavors of cupcakes that are available. And then when I get to the counter, I just place my order. So there's, there's many ways to, if I walk down the street uh, now I wanna know what store fronts I'm going by. Obviously I can't walk into every store I could and say, hey, what's this? And uh, walk into the, up to the register. But if I have this service, I can, uh, hold the phone in my hand, point it up. She tells me when she sees the sign and they can read off the different storefronts and they can all sometimes pull up a map and tell me what storefronts are listed on uh, as I'm walking by them. Um, you know, using technology on your phone, you could use a, 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 a GPS type uh, device uh, uh, or a, uh, an app on your phone that sort of uh, tells you what you're walking by. Um, and it calls out business names. It can call out the number that you're at. Um, it can tell you what street you're coming up to. And those are tremendous aids and, and different tools that people can use. And again, some who have more techie, techie savvy can use these fairly well. Others who are not so techie savvy uh, can't uh, struggle with these types of, of uh, applications. But that's, that's out there. It's another tool that someone who's visually impaired can use to interact and uh, participate in the community and travel around and do what they need to do. Christmas is coming, which means everybody wants to buy presents. Mm -hmm. what, what and where are some good things that if you were my good buddy and wanted to buy me some Christmas presents, that is not a hint, by the way, <laughs> what would you recommend? I mean, do, do you still hang out your stocking, Kenny? 
my my wife still believes in that as a matter wow, of fact. okay well that's she still believes in some good goodies then <laughs> it is i i i get the dove bar um out of business market okay. out of business love them <laughs> love them. so where, where should they go i mean there's all right right here in massachusetts since we're we're hearing this right here in in, in boston carol's turner for the blind in newton has a has a store there that you can go physically in and put your hands on different items, be it low vision watches, cooking utensils, cook, different types of things, uh, magnifiers, whatever you might might uh, want to look at. That's right here. You can walk in and give them a call, uh, Carol Center for the Blind over in Newton, uh, and find out what their store hours are. And I think they're having some kind of Christmas sale. They probably have those little sales sometime in November. Uh, Right before the, uh, I think they open on Saturdays occasionally, but you call them and, and get their, their schedule. That's right here locally. If you want to shop online, uh, Independent Living is a, uh, is a good website to go to, independentliving.com. There's also another company called Maxi Aids. Uh, you can buy games, you can buy cooking utensils, all kinds of, all kinds of devices um, that someone might want braille cards braille and large print cards dice uh raised dice so if you want like the uh, you can feel the dots and don't have to worry about looking at the number or counting that the dots are are raised tactually so you can easily feel them when uh, when the dice are facing up um, there's all kinds there's hundreds and hundreds of items um, that that you can buy uh, for folks national braille press another boston company here looking for some gifts for someone who reads braille like you and me then national braille press has some good books and, and good uh, uh options there for for folks that can read uh, good braille readers and enjoy reading a braille book uh, now this is just my opinion and I, I i gotta bring it up and ask you about it i feel that if you go to a school for the blind you should have braille watches so many, many people use talking watches, which drive me crazy because everybody, if you're in a meeting or something like that, and you look at it, everybody's going to know you're checking to see what time it is. Whereas mm -hmm. with a Braille watch, you don't have to do that. Well, I, uh, yeah, again, it's a personal choice. Um, I didn't go to school for the blind, but I, but I have a Braille watch. I wear a Braille watch. Yep, um, I do too. I've always worn a braille watch i think uh i think my mother uh got me one when i was in fifth or sixth grade or something like that um but you know as we say the word braille watch and people mm -hmm. think that it's it's not braille like we would be reading a book it's it's a tactile watch because you know the 12 o'clock the three o'clock the six o'clock it's not the actual right. number six or three or nine all right, right. so right. it's a tactile watch but we say it's Braille because it's easier. But it, so it doesn't because someone wears a Braille watch doesn't mean they have to know Braille. They have to have good sensitivity in their fingers and yep. be able to to uh, know uh, if it's two dots, one dot, whatever, um, so that they can tell what's where's the twelve, three, six, nine, and the dots in between. So and are able to uh, touch the hands. But uh, yeah, my Braille watch when I uh, always uh, still fascinates young kids uh, especially when i flip it open they go wow 
Yeah. Said, this, is, this is such low tech, guys. What are you wowing about? <laughs> it fascinates adults, too. Let me tell you, not mm -hmm. just kids. It fascinates adults. will see it. Now. Oh, man, that's cool. Mm -hmm. I get it. That's great. Yeah, I, I agree with you uh, uh, regarding I'm, and, and everyone has their, their way. OK, I mean, so yep. um, the iWatch now you can you can find out what time it is um, by a number of tones or you can find out uh, you can you can uh, use other other than than tactile or, or you can use some uh, sort of uh, haptic type um, sounds that it makes to figure out what what time it is. I think it's a feature put in for the deaf. But I think blind folks who who want to wear the uh, uh, the Apple Watch uh, product uh, are using it, and they, it also calls out the time verbally, so they can uh, they and they can sync it up with their phone, and it can do a lot of other things. So if you if you're a techie guy, a lot of blind guys today have have uh, wear the Apple Watch. Uh, I've looked at it a couple of times, but I I still stick with my old Braille watch, and I, I use my phone to do what I need to do with a phone. Yep, I do the same thing. Well, listen, before we before we wrap up this very entertaining hour, give your website one more time for anyone that's listening that might want to join. All or, right. So uh, if you're listening, if you want to volunteer, if you want to join, uh, just uh, go to uh, blindcitizens.org and you can go down to join. And in the note there, just say that you want to be a volunteer. Or you can just send me an email at president at blindcitizens.org. That's president at blindcitizens.org. Drop me a note, uh, say you're interested, and you don't have to commit to any particular volunteer activity. Just tell me you want to be a volunteer, and I will we'll call you, talk to you, and keep you on a list here. And when we have things come up that we need volunteers, we'll send you an email. Uh, you choose if you want to be part of that activity or if it fits with your schedule, that sort of thing. And Definitely, uh, you know, we are um, for next season. Uh, obviously, we're off for the year and, and beat baseball. We are looking and recruiting new volunteers. So if you're a sports enthusiast, not a fan, but if you, you know, and if you have any, if you always like coaching, if you like to be um, around folks that are competitive and don't mind being out there in the rain or when it's hot, then consider the uh, the beat baseball team. But you can also visit our website and click on uh, beat baseball and you'll see a bunch of videos and all kinds of other information about the team if you're interested in that. Right. I interviewed Joe Cantania about that, as a matter of fact, uh, a while ago. Oh, uh, yeah. Listen, Joe has been one of our players from the, from the, the first year on. <laughs> God bless him. God bless him. Well, listen, I want to thank you for taking some time to sit down and and talk about all kinds of things you are a great spokesman you're a great interview i love interviews like you uh, <laughs> you don't get those all the time but but you're a great interview and a great asset i'm sure to the not only the commission but the blind community itself and uh i thank you for joining us tonight on city talk thank you and that will do it for this edition of city talk Good night, everybody. Thanks for listening to another great conversation with Ken Meyer and friends. You can contact Ken by email. The address is kjmeyer7 at gmail.com. That's kjmeyer7 at gmail.com. 
Tune in next time for more conversation with Ken Meyer on City Talk.